Guess what, everyone? It's season two. Thank you so much for being part of the Spillet journey with me and tuning in to the Spillet podcast. Spillet is a show where I get to speak to inspirational people and share inspirational stories to connect people together, inspire people, and everybody should be learning something new. Spillet is filmed live every Wednesday at 7pm over on Facebook, YouTube and Twitch. Viewers are able to be part of the conversation by joining in and leaving comments as part of the live streams. For more information on Spillet, to find the links for the live shows, find upcoming episodes and guests to be part of the show, or to support me by joining the official Spillet Patreon or get yourself some merch, head over to the Spillet website at www.spillit.uk. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my gosh, it is me. It's Marcus. And this is my little show that I like to call Spill It. Spill It is a show where I get to speak to inspirational people and share inspirational stories to connect people together, to inspire others, and to help people learn something new. This is episode 49, Things My Mama Says. And this episode is featuring Bobby Hedgelin Taylor, who is going to join us at 7.10 p.m. And I, for one, cannot wait because his story is epic. And I'm sure that you guys will seriously appreciate this when he comes on. So make sure that you like, you share, and you comment. It is super, super important. When you like it and you comment, it means that the algorithms of Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch will push it out to more people because it means that it's worth watching. And obviously, if you share it, it means that people who might not necessarily know anything about Spillet will come into the Spillet community and they might find something interesting to do with Spillet, to do with our episodes, to do with this particular episode, to do with all the episodes, even to do with me. They might find me super interesting. Who knows? Things Crazy things have happened. (laughs) If you haven't checked out our other episodes yet, then you can do. Make sure you head over to the Spillit website at www.spillit.uk to catch up. You can find all the links to the live shows and also the podcast services over on the website. Get those comments and questions in, guys. As soon as you come in, it means that I get to pop it up on the screen. It means that me and Bobby get to interact with it as well. And obviously, if you've got questions for Bobby throughout this episode, then all you have to do is drop a comment and we can have a conversation about it. It's as simple as that. Ah, and there we go. And that is the end of my intro. How are you, lovely people out there? Ah. I love it. I absolutely love it. The sun has been shining for like two weeks now as well. It's been absolutely crazy. (laughs) The sun has literally been shining for like two weeks. It's been crazy. The weather has been absolutely epic as well. And yeah, here we are. We're in the spilling fold today. I bet plenty of people are actually out there in the sun, really. I mean, to be fair, where I am right now, it's quite cloudy. Uh, We've had sun all day. But I'm assuming that there's going to be a lot of people still experiencing the sunshine all around the UK. And good for you. Good for you if you're experiencing the sunshine still. Why Why shouldn't you be experiencing the sunshine, eh? <laughs> 
absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Well, 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 well. Let's talk about some announcements, shall we? It's that time of the it's that time of the week. Let's talk about some announcements. And have I got some announcements for you? Number one, number one, very, very close to my heart. This one. Are you ready? Are you ready? I want to say a massive thank you to the Kids for Kids Theatre Company in Preston, who raise money for local children within the area. They have absolutely smashed the fundraising that they've been doing over the last few weeks, especially on, what was it? It was on Saturday. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. So on Saturday, the Kids for Kids lot walked the distance from Preston through to Blackpool. Now, for those who don't know what that distance is, it is a whopping 17 miles. So they walked the distance and it was blazing sunshine too. And they walked the distance between Preston and Blackpool and they have raised over £1,200 for Kids for Kids. That is an absolutely incredible amount. And I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's donated and also to the walkers. There was 10 of them I was one of them. <laughs> so a massive thank you to me, but a massive thank you to absolutely everybody else as well who participated and who helped out, who shared, who donated. It is absolutely amazing the amount of support that you guys have given. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My next lovely announcement is a little bit of Marcus on the radio. Look at this little photo here. So I have, for those who have been living under a rock forever, <laughs> I have been asked to run my own little radio show. How awesome is this? So I am currently in training on the radio. I will officially be a radio presenter. I just think that this is absolutely amazing. When I talk about it, I have like a massive smile on my face. It's epic. I love it. But yeah, so... The radio station or the radio uh, program will be called A Little Bit of Marcus. And it'll be A Little Bit of Marcus here on the radio. Oh, my God, I can't wait uh, for the little sound bite and everything. But, yeah, the show will be called A Little Bit of Marcus. And I will be playing the hits and talking about a little bit of news, a little bit of positive news. And I'll also have a guest once a month. Now, obviously, I don't want to take anything away, anything away from Spill It. Spill It is something that I have birthed. I have brought up, I have grown, I have taught it the way, the the rights and the wrongs of the world. So I don't want to take anything away from Spillet. So I will be not, not be doing a weekly guest spot, but I'll be doing a monthly guest spot, and I can't wait for that. It's going to be epic. Um, but yeah, it'll be going to it's going to be called a little bit of Marcus, which means that I'm going to actually have for you guys as well. Obviously, there's people who want to, who want this Spillet stuff and the Spillet hats and the T-shirts and look at this funky little logo from Spillet. Do you know what I mean? It's you're gonna have all of that, but you're also gonna have a little bit of merch as well. Oh, it's gonna be epic. I can't wait. <laughs> There's so many things in the pipeline, guys, and I have got you to to thank for that, really. You guys have given me this this platform. You guys have built this up. You've built this community up. It's been absolutely epic. So thank you so much. Kean's in straight in with the comments as well with the clapping emojis for kids for kids. Thank you, Kean. Kean, uh, for those who don't know, Kean is one of our stars. Well, let's be honest, he's one of our stars at Kids for Kids. 
so thank you so much for joining, Kian, and thank you so much for your applause for the efforts of the Kids for Kids committee lot who walked the distance between Preston and Blackpool on Saturday. Ah, and our last announcement for this week, before we bring the lovely Bobby Hedgelin-Taylor out, my last announcement is that voting has officially closed. So for those who need a reminder, I have been up for a nomination award for the National Diversity Awards for Positive Role Model of 2021. An absolutely amazing opportunity, an amazing uh, award that I've been nominated for. I couldn't even believe that I've been nominated uh, like for it at all. I am up against like some of these massive names as well. Some big names, some big companies who have all contributed towards the LGBTQ plus community. And people have nominated me for my work for mental health and the LGBTQ plus community. And I just want to say a massive thank you to absolutely every single person who has spent the time to vote for me and to put in their own nominations as well. So voting closed on Monday at 12 p.m. The next stage now is that they go through all of the information. They go through all of those votes that you guys have put comments about. uh, And then they go through all of the evidence. And then if they think that I am suitable to be put forward, I will be shortlisted. Now, there's only eight places for shortlisting. That's it. So hopefully, fingers crossed, I am one of those eight people. I'll obviously keep you guys updated. It's going to be absolutely epic. I can't wait. I I can't wait. Uh, uh. (laughs) Um, So yeah, hopefully I get shortlisted. If I don't, it's not an issue. I feel the love, guys. I've read all of the comments that you guys gave like during your voting processes. It was absolutely touches me it's amazing thank you so much but uh, yeah i just wanted to say thank you so much it has been an incredible journey so far for this nomination period and let's hope that we get through to the next stage right anyway i digress it is that time it is 10 past seven that's 10 past seven uk time because my guest this evening is not in the uk it is 10 past two over on his end and it is time. So I would like to give my warmest welcome, all of the welcomes, all of the warmest of welcomes to my lovely guest this evening. It is Bobby Hedgelin Taylor. Hello there, Bobby. Hi. How are you I'm this for me glorious evening, but for you this <laughs> glorious afternoon? Yeah, it just started here. <laughs> I'm in New York, so uh um, it's beautiful out. I can't wait to get outside, but uh, I'm so happy to be able to spend time with you uh, today. Been looking Thank you so much. One. We had a great chat a couple of months ago. and We did, so yeah. So we connected on loads of different levels. Yeah. And we were like, let's let's get together. Let's put our heads together. Let's, let's get this episode out there. Absolutely. And yeah, and obviously you... Uh, there was was a situation obviously so we were booking slots and then you had an operation as well yeah uh, which meant that obviously we we couldn't get that time together straight away could we no i had a full hip replacement so uh so i've been through seven weeks of therapy and walking walking really well so um this is kind of like you know another pivot in my life you know (laughs) the, the way that the world is throw things at us and uh you either you know get hit with them or you dodge them and you know so that was just one of the 
one of the ways I, I managed my way through this crazy. But you are up, you are on the road, the road to recovery, and oh, yeah. you are spending uh, your time with us today, which we are so, so grateful for. Thank you so much for spending just even the smallest of times with us and making time out of your busy schedule because you have got a busy schedule, don't you? Yeah, um, I'm surprised that, you know, as soon as the, the, the pandemic hit, it was like nobody had any schedule. <laughs> so, and, then, and then slowly it's like, oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, and um, you know, this, this is always, uh, it's always a, a challenging time of the year anyway, because it's the beginning of summer and people want to get out of the house more and people want to, you know, now we can, now that things are better here with the vaccine and um, our COVID numbers are down to point. 0083, I think was the latest, which wow. is fantastic. Um, so, you know, so it's nice to be out again. You still have to wear masks on the train and in public transport and things like that. But um, uh, such a relief. It was a rough year. So good. I'm very glad that you that your numbers and things are turning around and things are looking up for uh, you guys over there. Uh, we're in a similar position. Uh, we're just waiting now just to see what happens for us because we're still in lockdown so oh, um yeah but yes. but we've got to think of positive we've got to we're going to put a positive spin on absolutely everything today uh we don't want to get bummed out bummed no. out with the uh no. with the details of covid as well and um, so let's have a little bit of fun this evening are you ready to play a little game oh absolutely <laughs> also well it is that time ladies and gentlemen it is their five second rule. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is the five second rule. This is a game that I play with all of my guests. It's just a bit of an icebreaker game just to make people feel a little bit of relaxation. Um, basically, all I do is I, I ask you three questions is to name three things and you've got five seconds to name those three some things. Nice and easy. Are you ready to play? Ready. <laughs> awesome. Let's start then. Name three children of celebrities. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, Rocco, Lords, Madonna's kids, <laughs> Apple. <laughs> Can't forget Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Apple is, uh, what's her name? Uh, yeah, it's Coldplay's frontman and... Uh, uh, is, no, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. Yeah. I guess because corn stock was taken. I don't know. You know, <laughs> <laughs> these people have the most interesting names. <laughs> they do. They do. Okay. Uh, next question. Name three things you do when no one is looking. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Uh, 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 pick my nose. <laughs> Fart, pick my nose, and anyone else? I don't know. <laughs> probably don't want to be when no one's looking when you fart, but you know. But... Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Your last one for this evening. Name three objects that start with the letter G. G. Uh, good, good, good God, get a grip, girl. Um, <laughs> again, uh, <laughs> <I> <laughs> Oh, good God, get a grip, girl. Love it. Five Gs. That's five. I'm, I'm going to give you that one just because. 
I don't even know what what object. I don't even, even having more time. I'm like, what objects start with G? Ground is not an object. <laughs> if you're watching at home, guys, uh, please comment with any objects that begin with the letter g <laughs> and if you are listening to this via podcast or you listen to this afterwards then you can drop me an email at marcus at spillit.uk with your answers of what you think uh starts with the letter g i would have said golf ball oh okay good uh, maybe a gate it's mm. an object isn't it yeah <laughs> Let's go into the comments. Uh, Scott has just done a laughing face. Mm -hmm. Scott, you, you can't just do a laughing face. You need to tell us what you think it is. <laughs> what, what, what other object begins with the letter G? We would love to know, Scott. <laughs> okay, well done. How do you feel? I'm feeling great. Feeling great and very and and again, laughter is the best medicine, no matter what you're doing. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, it's just a little bit of a game, just to just to play, oh, just to I make us it. feel a little bit better. It. Um, well done. No, there are no winners. There are no losers. Um, you know, I would love to hand out trophies to people, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, let's go, let's start from the top. Here is my main question for you: Who is Bobby Hedgelin Taylor? Oh well, um, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania on a mountaintop, and um, my great grandfather and grandfather bought plots of land up there. And uh, my great grandfather had 13 children. So everybody settled around him. And wow. uh, so my entire family was on the top of a mountain. And um, we settled there as well. And my family's Sicilian and part, uh, and Hedgelin is obviously not a Sicilian name. As I was saying, it's actually an old English name, um, means people of the hedges. Um, born and raised there, uh, crazy, crazy dysfunctional Italian upbringing on the top of a mountaintop. Uh, went to school for theater. Uh, Went then got a scholarship to the Stroudsburg Ballet Theater, where I did several ballets, and then I was a ballroom dancer, and then I went to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy on full scholarship here in New York, and um, got involved in the Broadway world and theater, professional theater, uh, everything from rock concerts to cruise ships, Broadway, off-Broadway, um, national tours, uh, and, um, and international for that one time I worked in Canada. Um, you know, and <laughs> um, but uh, that's what that's what formed me as a person. And then uh, in the late '80s, early '90s, I started training as a trapeze artist, and then I ended up adding that as another hyphen to my my uh, my art. Excuse me. And um, so I was a trapeze artist as well. And uh, wow! And then I was traveling with circus, doing nightclub work. We had a lot of nightclubs in the 90s that had aerial equipment over the dance floor. Not for the patrons, but they would hire us to come and perform. So uh, so that's how um, my performance career has sort of just sort of been all over the place. And in a recent podcast, someone called me the multi-hyphenated artist. So I'm like, okay, I'll take it. Multi-hyphenated artist. Um, so for those who don't know what that is, because that's the first time that I'm hearing that, uh, can you explain what a multi-hyphenated artist is? When, 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 when people tell you about New York, what's our, our slogan at New York? If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Any actor who came to New York to become an actor has to have another plan unless you are independently wealthy. So you have to know how to do other things to make money to support yourself. And as an artist, if you can actually have uh, hyphenated your, your work to the point where you can be um, doing different art and actually having income from that art. So I was a trapeze artist, I was an actor, I was a dancer, I was a singer. 
Um, I used to do, I used to work for a gay dating service where I would try to, where I would hook people up, uh, a gentleman to, uh, to get to, to, to hopefully have fruitful, long-going relationships. I was a bartender. Um, I tap danced in front of a bank wearing a lion suit for Chase Manhattan Bank and sending out flyers. <laughs> I worked at Mama Leone's restaurant and uh, as, a, as a waiter, and um, I was also a bartender cocktail waiter at Uncle Charlie's downtown, which is an old gay bar. Um, oh, do I have to come out? Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but uh, just having to, when you live in a place like New York where it's very hectic and also very expensive, you have, to have, you have to be able to pivot on a dime. You have to be able to have multiple irons on the fire so that you have income to support your art. Because sometimes you're just supporting your art. Sometimes the art's not supporting you. Mm -hmm, and, um, definitely. As an actor in the early days, you know, I would be in the same waiting room as some people that are making it huge right now. And, you know, you just never know what cards you're going to be dealt. So I would leave that audition and go perform at Webster Hall on, on the weekend, you know, and I, as a trapeze artist. So uh, it was like, there was always something happening. And that's where, um, that's, that's how I, I've always been an artist. It's just the medium has changed. It's not necessarily painting with a paintbrush. You know, um, I also do uh, what's called aerial sequence design. And I, train acrobats for Broadway shows and cruise ships where we use either cabling or a circus apparatus in a musical um, that would move the story along. Things like Tarzan, I did the revival of Pippin and um, uh, the musical Chaplin about Charlie Chaplin. I taught the lead actor how to walk a tightrope. Um, so wow. I, combined the, I combined those things to, um, you know, it's just to combine theater and circus is one of my absolute loves. And then I got well-known and uh, I've been doing that for a while. I've worked with Fish at Madison Square Garden. I was one of the 18 acrobats who touched the ceiling of Madison Square Garden, 75 feet in the air. I'm one of the oldest. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, uh, so my, my career really has, like, gone in so many different directions. So being, you know, someone saying, oh, you're a multi-hyphenated artist. I'm like, yeah, I guess that sticks to me. I'm going to keep using that. To be fair, it's epic and it is you down to a T with everything that you've just explained. Um, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you straight off the bat was about Broadway. So obviously you mentioned that you yes. did work on and off Broadway. Now, from what I, my understanding of Broadway is, um, it's very hard to get work in, in Broadway, isn't it? Yes. And I'm just wondering what it was, so obviously you as a young performer, um, you're heading over to Broadway to to obviously try and make it big. What was that experience like? Uh, firstly, when you were when you were first starting out trying to get onto Broadway, but then also that feeling of when you were when you got your first job. Oh my goodness! Um, so uh, from us from a kid from a poor family in Pennsylvania coming to New York with thirty five dollars in my pocket and a full scholarship to a theater school, uh, I had big dreams, but not a big wallet and. Um, Unfortunately, New York is very expensive, so you had to think on your feet. And um, so when I got here and I started to, actually I was getting work, I was getting acting work while I was in school. So I was doing things, there were different showcases around town, even though we weren't allowed to, we we're not supposed to be doing that when you're in theater school, you were supposed to wait till you graduate. Um, but then there was a break and I did the musical Cabaret. I was on the road with that for a while. Um, I was this, uh, what's called a swing. Um, the swing is the, 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 the male dancer in the chorus who covers the other male dancers in case they're out. If they do something special to move the story along, then I would be in their spot. I would be singing their part. 
And then I was a standby also for the MC, which is the lead, um, the, the Jill Gray role. Um, and this was back in the early 90s. He had just done the role on Broadway. So it was pretty fresh in people's mind when we were out on the road. They wanted to see, you know, even though we weren't, I wasn't touring with Joel Gray. Um, they wanted to see that kind of a, a very version of the show. And um, I was also one of the dance captain, captains. I had to know all the choreography, even the girls' choreography. And um, because I would have to teach different people what it was when they were coming into the show. Um, and then I was working in Connecticut and I was doing the stage version of Singing in the Rain. And yes, we had a rain, we had a rain machine, it rained on stage and, um, and it was, you know, was thousands of dollars, but this theater was going, going under, uh, basically. So they stopped paying us at different times. And the next show that was in line was Gypsy, um, starring Stephen Schwartz's wife. Now, Stephen Schwartz, we you know, wrote Wicked and Pippin and mm -hmm. Godspell. And Stephen Schwartz was the director, so I really wanted to work with him. But at the same time, I got an offer to work in Las Vegas, making a huge amount of money compared to what I was making in the show. And then um, the theater stopped paying us, so I just said, you know, I have to take this other job. And uh, so I ended up working in Las Vegas for a while as a, as a uh, trapeze artist. So I, I sort of left the theater at that time because I started to get more work in the circus world. And I was bouncing back and forth with theater as well. Um, but I never actually performed on Broadway. And that's the one thing that I still, that I still like, it's in the back of my head, like, well, you're not dead yet, you know? <laughs> um, but what I did do was um, for the musical, The Frogs, which was a Stephen Sondheim musical in, in 2003, um, I trained one of the uh, chorus girls who was a, one of the frogs, one of the lead frogs, um, to do some aerial stuff. And that sort of got me moving into the Broadway world where people started to recognize me know my work. And then it wasn't until 2012 when I was called to do the musical Chaplin, where I actually opened up the playbill and saw my name and bio in the playbill that I was like, ah, thank you, God. Even though it wasn't on stage, it was still a credit. And then um, I had another uh, off-Broadway version of Midsummer Night's, Scream, Midsummer Night's Dream with B.B. Newworth, uh, Christina Ricci, and um, uh, what's his name? Taylor Mack. And I had trained some of the people in that show to do some aerial stuff as well. And so opening the playbill, ever since I was a kid, you open a playbill, you read the bio, where these people are, who they are, whether they're a star or not, you still read the bio. You still spent that for 10 minutes of, the, of your sitting in your seat waiting for the show. And I opened it up and, and, um, and, and I, I still like get chills thinking about it because there's something you longed for. But now, you know, one last dream in the, in the, in the pocket is uh, you know to, to actually perform on a Broadway stage, and now that I have a new hip, I can dance again. So so um, so who knows what's what what's going to happen? There's a very famous saying, and I'll never forget it. I worked with uh, Jerry Mitchell, who's actually in in the UK right now with Pretty Woman. Um, okay. And I, I worked with him for the past four years uh, on a, a, a show called Broadway Bears, which is a Broadway strip show where very sexy Broadway dancers take their clothes off to raise funds. For, actor, uh, for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. And Jerry started that organization, started that whole show. Um, and his quote is, dreams don't have an expiration date. And I will never forget that as long as I live. Um, I really like that quote. Yeah, yeah, they don't have an expiration date. So, um, you know, hey, I haven't checked it off yet, but, you know, working behind the scenes on Broadway, check. Now it's time to get on stage. 
Um, that would be absolutely epic as well. And to be fair, like I mean, Leela uh, put on uh, as a comment before I popped it up before. But what an amazing career! In and, and to be fair, I mean, you are right; it's not over yet. But what no. an, what a great career you've had so far! That absolutely epic. Like be, people would only dream to do the things that you've done, and you you've done it essentially. You've ticked it off the box, and um, but it's not the only thing that you uh, that you that you've done, and. Well, obviously, we're going to start talking about family and things like that very, sure. very shortly. I'm just wanting to know because you mentioned that the the family have obviously been very, very close, and I'm just wondering what their thoughts uh, were when you moved to New York and started going on Broadway. Like, were they very supportive of that? Actually, no. <laughs> my grandmother, okay. my mother, my father. My father was very proud of me when I was going to college in town. I was in Pennsylvania. And he was like, this is my son. He's going to be an actor, blah, blah, blah. My grandmother and mother were like, you really should go to school for computers. You really, you know, computers are big right now. You're going to, you're going to make it. And I was like, eh, no. And um, no, they were not supportive of me moving to New York at all. In fact, um, my dance teacher, Kathy Joe, actually packed, my, we, she dropped, she came to my house, my, my apartment. We packed her car. She drove me to New York. My family wanted nothing to do with it. Until they saw me getting more successful and having different things come up, when I, by the time I was doing that show, Singing in the Rain, they all drove up to see me and Singing in the Rain. Now, mind you, I'm just tap dancing in the chorus, but it was a big show. And um, to have that many people, like, finally, you accept this. And then they're like, hey, sorry, I'm leaving the show. I'm going to Vegas to be a trapeze artist. You know, so it's like, what? <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, that sort of uh, threw everybody for a loop, you know, and, you know, there's so many things that happened to, to you during that time period. You know, I had to come to New York to come out again, I'm coming. Um, because it was not, Pennsylvania was not the place for me to come out. Mm -hmm. It was not accepted. It was very much shunned. It was very much, uh, there's so much homophobia there at that time that um, it was, it was just, it was not a safe environment. And every time I had cut, now I was coming to New York as many times as I could get here. Even from the time I was 16 years old, my cousin and I would come to New York. We'd ride our bikes into the city or we'd take the train in and we'd go see Broadway shows. And she would never tell my mother because my mother would flip out because, oh my God, you're going to New York. You're going to get, you're going to get molested. You're going to get, you know, mugged. And I never did. It was always a fun time and it was always an adventure. And I always saw a great show. Um, and, uh, but no, they weren't, they weren't as supportive as they could have been, but mm -hmm. after a while they were, it took them a while, but they finally came around just like them finding out I was gay. When I finally had to come out, they had to take a step back because all those years of hating and being homophobic to others, there was finally one in their mix. And yeah. now they were like, well, what do I do with this information? And, um, it was around the time my father passed. So it was not, it was just not the best time for me to come out, but, um, it, it happens when it happens and you tell, you know, you tell, you live your truth. And, um, you know, instead of trying to create a truth that is for somebody else. And yeah. I just knew that I needed to be in New York. I needed to be able to come out in New York, first of all. And then my career was always going to be New York City. It's, it, it's great to, to hear your, your full story as well. Like, uh, I wasn't expecting to to really for you to divulge stuff like about like coming out and things like that. And, and it's, it's so good to, to hear. Um, and thank you for being open with us uh, whilst talking about things like that as well. Um, moving your story forward. So obviously you uh, 
not that you stopped doing the, the the Broadway dream, but your your focuses have been elsewhere. And I'm just wanting you to to divulge some of that for us. Um, so I had been, through the '90s, I was working in nightclubs mostly, but touring. I did a magic show, and then, but not as a, but as an acrobat. And um, having not had um, that, you know, touring experience other than when I toured with Cabaret. Um, it was really fun to be out there doing different things, going to different cities. But then I came back to New York and it was like, oh my God, I can put theater and circus together. And I did several productions of the musical Barnum and I was the swing also. I covered 17 roles because in Barnum, not all the acro tracks are gender specific. So I was the one swing that covered everybody, men and women. And I even uh, covered P.T. Barnum, the, the, the lead on several productions. So I not only knew his, his track, but I knew everybody else's. Um, there are three, three female leads in the show and um, I couldn't cover them, but I did end up covering one time. Uh, the world's oldest woman is one song, uh, Thank God I'm Old. And it's usually an African-American woman because it's based on Joyce Heth. So we were in Texas and our Joyce Heth and her cover were both out. And I was the only one who knew the track because I would put people into the show and I would teach them the track. So they were like, we can cancel the show or you can go on as Joyce Heth. Well, I went on as Joyce Heth. <laughs> I wish I had video and fit photos, but I, it was just like, it was such a spur of the moment thing. But, you, but as a swing, that taught me so much about theater and how valuable swings are. And if you ever see or know a swing in a Broadway show or even any, any musical, you, you look looked at what how fast they can change on a dime what they know and how they remember everybody's moves what they sing what they dance and it taught me so much i got more training from doing barnum than i did going to school for, for six years for musical wow because it's 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 an incredible think on your feet kind of an exercise where you literally have you have to stop get out on stage in costume and remember everything that you're supposed to remember and there were times when people, when multiple people were out, so I would have to cover, I would have to combine tracks. You know, it'd be like you're doing this, you're you're starting this scene as this character, but you're ending of this as this, this character, and you have to do a front tuck over the table in this character. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I got it. Um, and also, there were people that would come into the dressing room on a night that I wasn't on, and they would say, hey, I think I tweaked my ankle. Could you do the finale for me? And then I would be like, sure five minutes, I'm in costume. And then whatever their finale acrobatics was, whether it was a trapeze, a rope, a fabric, whatever it was, I would be out there doing it. And um, anyone who wants to get into theater, I, I recommend you talk to a swing first because that is how I cut my teeth. Um, and that's something that I love too. I would like, I would kill to be a swing again, you know, like just, just to be able to do that again, even if it was just covering a few parts, it's really, really, it, I'm a Gemini. My birthday's for this Friday. So I'm like, it's like I get this really a rush from having new things uh, tossed at me. And then I started doing theater. And then finally, Broadway called and I taught Rob McClure how to walk a tightrope for the musical Chaplin, where he played Charlie Chaplin and he walked a tightrope in the show. Um, they did. They ended up doing a, a ZFX kind of a cable um, thing, but I taught him the effect. Um, I then did um, the musical Pippin, where the revival. I trained Andrea Martin uh, to do trapeze. She won a Tony Award for her uh, trapeze act. And then I taught wow. um, Patina Miller to do trapeze in that show. And then I also taught Charlotte Demboise to do some aerial hoop, but we ended up cutting it before we went out of town to Boston. And she ended up doing a different act in the show. But but that was sort of like, you know, those were my, my, my three big 
Broadway shows were the Frogs, Pippin, and Chaplin, and then Broadway Bears, of course, has been just. And and please, if you if you if there's any charity out there that I am big supporter of, it's Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, and um, I fundraise for them every year. So check them out. We'll definitely drop a link for oh, them absolutely. after the show as well, just so that people can see a bit more information about them and do what they can do to support as well, because we're all about supporting uh, people over here in the Spillet community. Um, so moving forward to, uh, obviously, the, the the pandemic, obviously you wouldn't be able to do the, the, the trapeze work and work on Broadway and things like that. How did you fill your time during the pandemic? Well, Okay, I don't want to get too sad, but I do have to explain how it happened. Mm -hmm. So the beginning of the pandemic happened and my mother passed away. She was living in a nursing home. We believe it was from COVID. Um, And then two days after she died, I woke up with 104 fever. I had COVID as well. While I was in that fog and laying in bed for days, weeks sometimes, um, I started to think about my mom. We weren't able to meet as a family, but the ideas of my home and that crazy upbringing. It just started, I started to write a cookbook based on my family. Escape to Ravioli Mountain came to my head and I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what it is. And then while my mom was in the nursing home, I would post on Facebook using the hashtag shit my mama says. And, <laughs> and I started to compile all of my mother's catchphrases. So that became a book as well. So I, I, I wrote two books during the pandemic, another complete pivot. I'm also an officiant. I officiated six weddings during the pandemic, both virtually and in person with masks, without masks on uh, on Zoom. And I also did some stand-up comedy on Zoom and got paid for it. So I, you know, I, I, there are so many different aspects to what I did to keep myself busy during the pandemic. Um, And, you know, there was no trapeze in my living room, so I couldn't train anybody. Although, you know, I could possibly put one up. You don't want to, you know, don't want to upset my, my, my neighbors or my landlord. Um, but no, the idea though, is that um, when everything went virtual, I had to find ways to express myself artistically because I'm an artist. I'm my, all my life, my art was, my body was the paintbrush and the stage or the air was my canvas. Now I'm sitting here and I'm like, what the hell do I do with these keys on this keyboard? Thing? I, you know, and I'm not a writer. I, I will say this and I encourage everybody to do this, write everything memories down, jokes down, write them down, use your auto dictation on your phone um, into the notes section. I wrote a lot of my, my thoughts that way. I do a thing called mind mapping, which I learned from, a, um, from doing a, a weekend of, of new authors kind of a, a workshop. And basically you take your, your idea and put it in the center of a page and then using your pen, you around that, you every word that comes to mind about that center word. And that gave me the chapters, it gave me the, the book, um, and it just helped me clear my mind. But it, it was like, I'm not a writer, I'm not an editor, I'm not a chef, but I wrote a cookbook. And, <laughs> and, and it's actually 146 recipes, there's lots of stories from my family, and, um, and uh, lots of great funny, funny stories um, that came back to me that are, you know, my first words were fucking reindeer. So, so that's in the book, <laughs> you know, so my, and while my, when my mom first got sick before the pandemic, she was going back and forth to the emergency room. So because she had dementia, I would sit with her and she would randomly sell, tell me these stories. And your first words were fucking reindeer. And I'm okay, mom, sure. Thanks. <laughs> you know, and she told me, she told me the whole story. And so it was like, I had to put that in there. I had to put these funny things because it was like, 
that farcical nature of everything that she was saying was very real. And it was what I grew up around. And it was just like, uh, I knew that it could connect people to other people. And that I knew that it could give some, some, some laughter and humor and joy to people who may have had somebody in their family with dementia or have made have somebody who had passed during COVID. It's that connection is what both of my books are about. Now, Shit My Mama Says is a book of quotes. And it's, it's a small one. Of, you know, if you think about and, and the both books will be out at the end of the summer. But, but if you think about those books that you get at the checkout and they're these little they're like these little books, you know, like you open them up and it's like, you know, you're gay when you know, you know, you know, your dog's name is uh, or your four dogs names are Dorothy, Sophia, Blanche, and, you, know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But it's that kind of a thing that and you pick it up and you automatically look at it. It's there's one quote per page and it makes you laugh, but it'll connect people with that. And um, so that's so that's where the pandemic sort of led me down that path while I was healing, while, you know, going through the uh, the issues with my mom and, um, you know, helping helping her sort of get to the other side, I guess, as well as, you know, not having a chance to grieve with my family. Um, that was what it all came to be. And I can't wait to share it with people because it still makes me laugh. And even the editor is like, he's like, I'm peeing myself laughing, reading this. And I'm like, good, because that's the point. Laughter is what it's about. Laughter is definitely. And so essentially you were using or channeling your grief uh, from obviously the passing of your mother. Yeah. Uh, You were channeling that into something productive as a way to, kind of deal with it yourself, but then also remembering her in, in a better light, I suppose. Absolutely. When you, first of all, not to be morbid, but I live in Queens, New York, which is right outside of New York city. We're just, you know, a little suburb, but it's where the outbreak happened of COVID. Right. I lost three relatives, 17 friends to COVID. I was sick with COVID every 20 minutes, a ambulance would pass the front, the front, of my house because they were all headed to the hospitals to the point where the hospitals were overrun. And every time you hear an ambulance go past your house while you're sick with the thing that basically they're taking them to the hospital for, um, you wonder which siren is going to be for you. And I was very scared and I, I, I have an amazing support network. So I'm, 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 I have amazing friends. I did not tell anybody. I didn't let my boss know until it was fairly, you know, I was on the other side of it. I vague booked about it. Um, on Facebook. And um, uh, when I started to feel better, and when I started to come out of it, that's when the stories were very healing. And I, you know, you just get wrapped in those memories. And I didn't have access to therapy. Um, so it became my therapy, it became my therapy to relive those those fun times. And you want to focus on the fun time. No one wants to hear about, you know, the craziness and the, 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 um, the, the, the dysfunctionality. They want to find, they want to, they want to read about the fun times. And that's what I want to share. You know, and that's what that's why people are really excited about, um, uh, you know, the, the connection that that I can bring them with this book. Plus, every recipe has two or two or three options. If you're a vegan or a vegetarian and you can't eat meat, you can make a vegan bolognese that tastes very similar to my grandmother's. So I, I went through every recipe and made it so that you can apply it to different diets. So, yeah, it's a very, very traditional Italian cooking. If you want to do the traditional way, this is what you buy. If you want to do a vegan or vegetarian option or gluten-free option, here's your suggestion. And, you know, give people that uh, as well so that because diets have changed, people have changed. And then I also know that 
when people connect um, through, I connect through food a lot of people with my friends. When I have my when I have people over, I'm always making I make I make a big meal, very Italian. I always you know infuse alcohols to make sure we have like the perfect strawberry lemon vodka to make strawberry lemonade with. You know, all of those things came part of the book. And now that we're in New York, sort of getting on the other side of COVID, I'm starting more and more to connect with more people and have more um, to share that with. So as soon as the books are out, then uh, I'll be able to reach a larger audience. So talking further about these books, because I'm really, really interested. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering if you'd be able to give us a bit of insight. So obviously you said that they should be ready by the end of the summer. Uh, When can people expect them? Sometime in August, they will be available on Amazon, Walmart, and uh, Barnes and Noble. There, we're, the editing process is ludicrous. I, I, if there's anybody who's listening who's an editor, my uh, my hat is off to you. I bow to you because <laughs> editing is definitely an art and a skill in itself that I have not been able to master. So I'm clear with that. But they they know they know all the editors have said the heart is there. There's a you know like. I, I, when you go to college and you study different things, you have basic knowledge of the English language, but you never practice it. Um, you don't practice it that often, especially when you're writing this kind of thing, when you're trying to tell a story, you know, like my, my story about my first words. You know, I try to tell people the whole thing, you know, but it's hard to get all the details in. Mm-hmm. But basically, let me tell you the story of my first words very quickly. <laughs> so so I was a to- as a toddler, I did not speak. They thought I. They thought I had. I had hearing problems. I would not make words. I was terribly shy. So my mother always bought two of everything for me and my brother. And at Christmas time, she bought these two inflatable reindeer. And here we. There's two inflatable reindeer by the tree. We start playing with them. One pops. We start fighting over the other one. My mother, like a ninja, comes out of the kitchen with a wooden spoon, you know, and grabs that the 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 reindeer. Give me that fucking reindeer. Throws it in the closet and sends us to our chairs, our thinking chairs. Time out back then. Um, and then, we, you know, of course, I'm sure we were both, you know, angry at each other and staring each other down, you know, like an old John Wayne Western. Um, <laughs> then we hear a car pull up and it's my grandma. So I'm like, I guess in my little mind, I thought, ooh, I know who can get me. My grandma can get me that. So she comes in, we run to the door. I grab her skirt and I'm crying and pointing to the closet door. Nana, Nana, fucking reindeer, fucking reindeer. <laughs> so, and she's like, oh, my God, he can speak. <laughs> it didn't matter. I said fucking reindeer. <laughs> but that and was that was how it happened. And those are the story. Like, those are the ones. Like, see, you're laughing. And that's exactly what I, that's exactly what all the stories are. There are more stories like that. Um, my mother told the story of how I was conceived on a beaver dam while on a camping trip with my dad. <laughs> and I was like, Mom, no, I don't want to imagine doing it. But I, I looked through our family home movies from before I was born. And guess what? There's a camping trip. There's a cabin. There's a lake. And there's a beaver dam. And I'm like, no, God, please. <laughs> but I guess I'm one of the few people who can actually have video footage of the location that they were actually conceived in. <laughs> Dear. <laughs> Those are the ridiculous stories. And that's how my mother, my mother had this infectious way of making, we called the church giggles. She was not religious. So if we were in church and she could see one of us was having a little bit of a moment, we were a little sad or something, she would tickle us to try to get us to snap out of it. And 
she had a coping mechanism that no matter how sad or stressful, she would make us laugh. And she collected all these um, uh, uh, albums of stand-up comedy. Eddie Murphy, George Carlin, Joan Rivers, we had every single one and she would play them incessantly. And so I had that kind of in my, in my ears when I was growing up, stand-up comedy. And that was her way of coping through the hard time. And I only found that out through writing this book and to re remembering her, remembering these incidences where she was, you know, she was in a stressful point in her life and she was able to snap out of it by making someone laugh or by being being funny, breaking mm -hmm. that that uh, you know breaking that pattern. So, and that's where we and that's where that's where we grew closer together, even after she's passed. Yeah, um, because obviously you you I mean you, you're still obviously going through those motions and things like that with obviously the 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 loss of your mother. And I'm just wondering. So during the pandemic, we've lost quite a lot of people. We've lost um, friends, family, even just not with COVID, but the, obviously suicide rates have gone up and, and things like that. And I'm just wondering, because obviously you've gone through and you've channeled your grief into something productive and, and kind of seen a lighter side to help you cope. I'm just wondering if you'd be able to give anybody some advice on, you know, obviously you can't tell somebody how to how to grieve or anything, no. but, you know, with with regards to anybody that might be feeling some type of way because they have lost uh, a loved one or a friend or somebody close to them, just any words of wisdom? Um, I, I, I actually have a tattoo on my back and it's Winnie the Pooh hanging off of a trapeze by one hand and holding onto a honeypot. When you're hanging on by one hand, hold onto the sweet things. And that's what that means to me, that, that tattoo. That was always, the t it's a, it's, it, was, it was something that a student drew for me in 1993 the trapeze student of mine. She was, I was like, you know, I love Winnie the Pooh. I'd love to do a trapeze tattoo. And so it was in my desk drawer for years until I think I got my first tattoo in 2009. So it really resonates with me. So the one thing is the sweet things in life, the sweet things, the sweet memories is the humor. Find a way to laugh every day, watch a silly movie, put on some stand-up comedy routines, you know, look at old YouTube routines of Joan Rivers, of George Carlin, Harry <laughs> Murphy, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, there's a rhythm and a science to to humor and to comedy. So you really have to get that that cadence when you're when you're when you're when you're setting up a joke. You know, I wish some of the RuPaul's Drag Race contestants would actually learn a little bit of that before they go into the stand-up <laughs> comedy routine. Some of them are ghastly, awful. <laughs> I'm like, oh, girl, no, don't do that. Where are the jokes? Where are the jokes? Exactly. Where are the jokes? Um, um, by the way, love, love, love UK Drag Race season one. I have not seen season two yet, but I love Bag of Chips. I want Bag of Chips is probably one of my absolute favorite drag queens of all time. Bag of Chips listening. is amazing. Uh, no spoilers for season two, but season two is even better. So... You, yeah. know, you have to make sure that in your downtime, you're going to have to start watching season two. Yeah, I will. I will for sure. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's about finding humor, finding humor in everyday, everyday things, as well as writing. I, I write everything down now, um, but on my phone, on my cell phone, I, I open up the notes section and I put the auto dictation on. Now, auto dictation has a sense of humor. So you do have to go through it and make sure <laughs> that it says what you want it to say. I was a, a friend of mine was a middle-aged woman. She was she was thinking about a musical that you know she was she's 
she's older, she's done a lot of TV, but she was thinking about doing a musical on Broadway. And I, and I said, I suggested the musical Ballroom because it was, you know, it was not very popular, but it's got some good songs, but it's about ballroom dancing and this couple that meets in a ballroom dance. And she said to me, and this was a text on Twitter, actually, it was a tweet. Oh, that's funny. I have that scrotum on my nightstand right now. Now, <laughs> she, she meant script. <laughs> she meant script. But if you know anything about autocorrect, that means that she wrote the word scrotum somewhere else multiple yep. times. Yeah. <laughs> Because it learns how like exactly. what you say it and, and like, like okay the third word you know I would always just uh, scrotum script they sound alike you know <laughs> <laughs> you know oh so, uh, uh, yes uh, uh, director what does it say in the scrotum you know so, <laughs> <laughs> line you know. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I might have to substitute script for scrotum now <laughs> on a daily basis. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and we, you know, you have a good laugh about that kind of thing too. But then, but then sometimes when you're editing through it, you forget what you were saying. And if it was that important to put it in, you really want to go back and make sure it's what you want to say. Otherwise, you just lose different parts of it. So I really, I have a good laugh every time I, I do that because sometimes I'll look at the old ones that I didn't edit before I, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, what was I thinking at this point? Um, <laughs> you know, and so so that's, I, I really encourage everybody to, to write things down, but also seek humor, seek humor at all costs. No one likes to sit in that pity party. And I'm the first person, when I know somebody's down, I will be the first person to bring them back up. I will find a way to make them laugh. I will find a way. Somebody was having a really bad time and I was going in for an MRI and I just texted them. I was like, oh, I just farted in the MRI machine. <laughs> and just immediately they started burst out and laughing and, 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 and it, changed, it changes the mood. And it was, again, this is from my mother. And I, you know, I wish that she was here. I miss her, but she's here. And all of that I learned from her is part of like, what I do in my own stand-up routines when I do do stand-up, um, you know, I do vocal impressions, I do singing impressions. So there is nothing more addictive to me than making an audience laugh about with something you said or something you did on stage. And I got to tell you, I, I am. It, it's 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 my crack. It's my it's my heroin is making people laugh, and that's what I hope the books do. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, first, I just wanted to say thank you so much for for spending your time with us today, for being so open and honest and so vulnerable with us as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And I'm just wondering if you'd be able to give some information to people who are listening or watching at home where they can find you if they have any questions or if they've got if they want to get in, get more information about your upcoming books. Where can people find you? Um, absolutely. Email me at escape to ravioli mountain at gmail.com. Um, that's, I'm building my mailing list for the books through there too. So just, you can be added to my mailing list. As soon as the books are ready, you will get the first link. And if they mention your show, I will make sure that they get an autographed copy if they do order. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Thank you so much for and, that. Um, also you can find me on Instagram at escape to ravioli mountain. And you can also find me at Bobby Hedgeland Taylor on Instagram as well. That's just my regular sort of theatrical connection with people. And I'm on Facebook too, you know, look, look out for me there. And, uh, 
Um, but those are the two main ones. Escape to Ravioli Mountain is the name of the book and uh, the cookbook. And Shit My Mama Says is the other book. And they'll, they'll be out this, by this fall for sure. But the, I should have, I should have uh, definitely links by, by August. I'll definitely be keeping an, uh, an eye out for the uh, Escape to Ravioli Mountain. To be fair, I'll be keeping an eye out for both of them. They both seem like they are up my street anyway. I can't wait to kind of see, see all of these little stories, but then also cook some really good food as well which i'm really looking forward to as well so yeah and um, have you got some final thoughts for our viewers and listeners at home laugh every day find a way to laugh every day there's nothing more that nothing more healing if you're laughing you're breathing if you're if you're sad your lungs don't don't um, inflate as often as they should or as big as they should when you laugh you, you immediately inflate and then your body gets oxygen, you get this more of a relaxed sensation, but you get a sense of peace the more you laugh. And it's not, and we've, we've all been through, we've all been through the ringer. You know, put aside my story. My story has been amplified and repeated hundreds of times in the United States and worldwide. Put it aside, find a way to laugh every day. That's and I, and I like that. And, and that's, because I've had a sneak peek at your quote for today. And this, what you've just said there, really links with your quote for today. So at the end of every show, I give my guests the opportunity to give a quote. And I'm just wondering if you got a quote for me today. Um, laugh every day. That's take, trying to find a way to laugh every day. There it is. My, I got my cue in my scrotum. I'm reading, I'm reading the reading right off the screen there. Tell tell a scrotum. <laughs> um, no, try to find a way to laugh, people. There is so much bad shit going on worldwide. Find a way to laugh. That's the only way you're going to get through it. Because if we sit in that pit, that cesspool of horrible feelings, you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna get out of that. You're not gonna grow. No matter what, laugh. Definitely. Thank you, you so much. Laugh. I love your show. And well, thank, oh, you. thank you, Leela. Thank you for that. I uh, you know. I love this show. I, I loved, I loved connecting with you, and I hope that we can see each other in person someday. Um, you know, hopefully, I'll be able over in the UK. Uh, Definitely. Well, well, if you come over to the UK, the nearest place to me, uh, which would be ideal for you, would be Manchester. Oh. And so Manchester's the easiest way. If you fly over to the UK, you go, "Hey, I'm in London." There ain't no way I'm coming down because I can't, <laughs> I can't get to London. Well. I <laughs> I used to live in Wolverhampton for a very short period of time in the 80s. So I do know okay. Birmingham is all the way out there. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, Manchester is the ideal location, but please, yeah, 100%, we will definitely connect Absolutely. again in the future. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, um, thank you once again, and you are free to say your goodbyes. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much. And when the books are out, obviously get them, but email me, check in. I also cook live with people on Instagram. So if anybody wants to cook live with me sometime, we can cook together. Even you and I can cook together live on Instagram. Nice. We'll definitely be doing that in the future. I can guarantee it. Thank you so much again. Bye, Bye, Uh, You can say goodbye. Thank you so much, Marcus. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow, what an amazing episode. I knew I had an amazing episode for you. You just had to believe me. (laughs) Thank you so much once again, Bobby, for being such an open and honest and vulnerable person with us. It's been such an absolute pleasure. What a great episode. Thank you so much, guys, at home for listening and participating and for your comments and your questions. And thank you so much. You do it every single week. I love you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Here we go. Next week. So next week's episode is 
Come Fly With Me. And we are joined by Jackie Roby, who deals with people all around the world and talks about how much you need to travel to really improve your mental health. Now, obviously, for us here in the UK, travel is something that everybody is wanting to do. We've been locked down for absolutely ages. And Jackie Roby will be here to talk about why it's important for us to travel, especially for our own mental health. But also, with Jackie's uh, with Jackie's organization, you can actually travel virtually as well. So if, for example, you aren't ready to jump on a plane and jet off wherever, there are ways and means to travel virtually with Jackie's organization. And I think it's just going to be such a great episode to watch. Um, her story is going to be really, really good as well. And also talking about why travel is important. We need to travel. We are human beings. We need to travel. We need to get out there. We need to get out there in the world. <laughs> Even if it's just virtually as well, to be fair. So, yeah, make sure that you tune in for next week's episode because it's going to be fab. My name is Marcus Wright. You can find all the information to do with Spill It, all of the information about my future guests, past guests, and links to all of the episodes over on the Spill It website at www.spillit.uk. You can also find ways to support me over on the website too. There are merch you can buy. You could buy the brand new Spill It beanies. You could buy the Spill It hoodies and also Spill It t-shirts. There are going to be more t-shirts arriving soon as well. And we are down to the last seven. I've ordered, by the way, guys, thank you so much. I've ordered altogether 200 beanie hats. I am now down to the last seven beanie hats, okay? So we are now down to the last seven beanie hats available, the limited edition Spill It beanies. There are seven available. If you are wanting one of those, make sure you get in touch. The other way that you can support me is obviously by signing up to Patreon. If you not, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's basically a way that you can continuously support me by subscribing to Spill It for £2 per month. And if you do subscribe to Spill It and you become an official Patreon supporter you get access to further discounts, you get extra episodes, you get to come to a one-to-one -one with me and my guest, where you can come on and you can talk about whatever you want to with my guest. There's so many different things that you can do, and all you have to do is subscribe by sub, uh, supporting me by subscribing by £2 per month. I've said that completely wrong. So you can support me by donating as little as £2 per month over on the official Patreon site. The other two ways that you can support me are by inviting people into the Spill It community. Whether you're watching this via Facebook or you want to share this via your podcasting streaming service, then make sure you do so and you can invite people into the Spill It community and that is another way that you can support me. And then finally, the last way that you can support me is by leaving a review. If you liked this episode or liked any of the other episodes or like the work that I do, then leave me a review. You can leave a review over on Facebook or Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, on other podcast streaming services as well, wherever you're listening to this, please leave me a review if you liked this. Five stars, please. Five stars. Nothing but five stars. <laughs> But yes, please leave me a review. It means the world to me. I love reading them as well. And that, ladies and gentlemen, takes us to the end 
of the show. Thank you so much, Yvonne. Yvonne is there. Fab story. Yep, it was a fab story. You're right. Thank you so much, everybody, for your comments, for participating, and for watching today's episode. My name is Marcus, and until next time, it's bye for now. Oh,